Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello, I'm Natalia Shpilova-Said. I'm a host of New Books in Literary Studies, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. I'm delighted to speak today with Olha Melnik about her book, Ship Life, Seven Months of Voluntary Slavery, published in 2022. Olha Melnik studied history at the National University Kiev Mohila Academy, and um, she studied at the Joint Master Program German and European Studies at the Kiev Mohila Academy and Friedrich Schiller University, Germany. Her master thesis was on the topic The Image of Ukraine in German Mass Media, 2004-2010. After her graduate studies from May 2012 till December 2012, she worked as a bar waiter on an American cruise ship and she narrates her experience in her book Ship Life. Currently, Olha works at Kiria Karma, an American community of peers, mentors, and coaches that uh, helps career changers land a dream career as a freelance content writer. Hello, Olha. Uh, hello, Natalia. Thank you for, uh, for the introduction. Uh, thank you so much for joining me today, and I'm really looking forward to you sharing your experience of uh, being a bar waiter. <laughs> Uh, so, in your book, you recount this experience and the diary notes that describe daily routine on the ship, intermingled with comments that give insight into the social structure that the ship life reveals into different psychological states and conditions, and finally into cultural stereotypes, differences, and similarities. But first, I would like to ask you uh, what made you decide to take this job? Um, all right. Uh, so uh, first of all, uh, I'm coming from the family of uh, sailors. Uh, so both both of my parents worked on the ships. Uh, my mom worked as a cook, and my uh, father worked as an operator, uh, so radio operator. And uh, after graduation, I felt uh, exhausted after writing my master's thesis, and uh, I decided to take a gap year and I, um, I thought about the opportunity to join the ship as, um, as a nice opportunity to see the world and to make some money. That's why I have decided, to, me and my, mo- my father, we have researched uh, this topic and we have decided that uh, bar server would be a nice uh, choice. Um, based on the salary, based on the schedule, responsibilities. Uh, so I decided to go through the interview and uh, join the ship as a bar server. Mm-hmm. So, but you said that you were inspired by your parents' experience, right? And uh, they also worked on ships uh, under the Soviet Union. Yes, that's right. Uh, so uh, from my childhood, uh, we had. So as my parents worked on the ships, as you know, in the Soviet Union, it wasn't easy to go abroad to travel. Mm -hmm. And um, sailors were among few people who had an opportunity to see the world. And my parents, um, I saw that uh, experience of my parents is different from experience of other people. Uh, For example, we had uh, 
some things from Japan, India, uh, Vietnam, and it, it, it inspired me. And I wanted to see the world too. And for me, it was like default option to do the same uh, as my parents did. So the experience that you received was undoubtedly life-changing. On the one hand, you had the opportunity of seeing a number of beautiful places, as you mentioned. Uh, and on the other, you compare your life on the ship to a mental institution. And in your book, you mentioned that among those few things that you took with you uh, on the ship was a book by Ken Kesey, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. And you couldn't read it as the similarities between the ship life and the asylum life were too strong. Also, a cuckoo is some sort of a recurring word in the book. So what was the driving force for putting this book together? And you also mentioned previously that you felt kind of exhausted after you completed your academic work. Uh, so I wrote the book uh, not uh, straight after my contract on the ship, but uh, I started to uh, work on it a year or maybe two years after. Um, mm. In uh, 2013, I made a trip to India and uh, I had an experience of 10-day silence meditation called Vipassana, which is known mm. but by, uh, this is the method that Buddha was the first uh, uh, to uh, discover. And um, I made this uh, vipassana, and during these ten days, um, this uh, ship um, memories from ship experience were the uh, most um, common. And I realized that uh, this experience is the most uh, traumatic for me. Not my um, private life, uh, not relations with my family members, but uh, this contract on the ship. And uh, when I uh, came back home. Uh, after some time, maybe six months, I remember this day, or it was Christmas, I was at home, and I decided that um, I can start, I'm ready to start writing the book. And uh, I started uh, to write maybe first uh, five or seven pages, and then I just decided to send them to a publishing house. And immediately I got a response that that's, it's interesting, so please, that, and that I should continue. And uh, it made me, it inspired me to continue. And uh, it wasn't easy to write the book. I had a creative crisis and I didn't know at some point I didn't like the text and I couldn't find where I, I didn't like it anymore. But finally I made it to complete, mm -hmm. complete the book. So you mentioned that um, this experience on the ship was kind of traumatic for you. Uh, so in this case, this writing was uh, some sort of therapeutic um, experience? Yes, it was a kind of therapy for myself and I realized that maybe I did it more for myself than for the readers, uh, but I'm quite happy that now when the book is published and uh, the book was published in Ukrainian in 2017-2018, it was promoted. So I'm happy that the book has found its uh, readers and uh, I got many feedbacks that the book is very easy to read and um, uh, the experience is pretty unique. Uh, so I'm glad that uh, I did it. <laughs> uh, and, uh, but uh, um, I, I would like to go back to this um, uh, detail about your uh, book that uh, you mentioned uh, one flew over the cuckoo's nest and you couldn't uh, 
start treating the book on the ship. So would you comment on this similarities between the ship life and the asylum life? Ah, uh, yes, of course. Uh, so I'm kind of person that uh, for me, uh, my freedom is one of the most the basic values in my life. And um, that's why um, uh, this um, limitations and rules and all the terms and conditions that I had to follow, they were too strict and there were just too many rules to follow. And um, um, it made me uh, think of um, of the ship as uh, some kind of di disciplinary institution, um, similar to prison or to me mental hospital, where you just have to follow the rules and uh, otherwise uh, where, where um, you just have too many limit limitations in your life. And uh, yeah, that's, um, and when I started to re read this book, I just couldn't continue because I, I realized that it just seemed too similar to environment where I'm currently. So I decided to put it off to more um, um, uh, quiet life when I'm back home. Mm -hmm. Um, that's uh, that's an interesting remark that you made uh, about you appreciating freedom. So uh, I'm going to ask this existential question: What 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 is freedom for you, and how can we somehow discover and appreciate freedom? Maybe this experience on the ship uh, somehow helped you um, understand um, what freedom is. For you personally um actually um it's pretty simple uh, things for example uh what i wanted most of uh, most of all when i was on the ship is just to go for a walk uh, mm -hmm. to the park mm -hmm. to go to the cinema with my friends uh to go to um some some other place and not have to think all the time that i have to be back on the ship in one hour or two hours and not to look at my watch all the time and uh, just to um, um, to have a more relaxed, more relaxed life, and not have to be always um, in a, in tonus, mm -hmm. so to say. Um, so, what social dynamics that you observed on the ship struck you as the most revealing? Uh, I remember an episode in which you describe a unit for washing dishes. Uh, it was quite gloomy. Uh, also, you comment on how the cruise servers uh, were uh, treated by both management and clientele and make a promise to yourself to never treat a bar server, for instance, like that. Mm -hmm. um, I remember, yes, this episode was uh, probably the most uh, uh, traumatic for me because mm -hmm. when I saw how um, other workers on the kitchen work very hard, and it really um, looked like a slavery of our days. And I realized that um, you know, one, of the, uh, one of the waiters in the kitchen told me that you should realize that your role is minor here. That this is a theater for clients, for guests, and your role is very minor here. My role is just to carry a small tray and offer drinks but other people who work on the kitchen, they work really hard. Yeah. And um, it's, uh, for example, I had some friends from Mexico and they worked as um, assistant cookers. And for one shift, they had to cut like 70 kilograms of onion, for example. And uh, it's literally 
slavery and um, one of them resigned uh, after a month i think and the second one stayed and many people uh, just have to stay there because of uh, the poverty uh, in uh, their countries in their families and they have to stay on the ship because this is the only opportunity for them to feed their families to support their families did you regret at any point that you undertook this job um yeah for me the hardest uh point was um i would say that um me and my family we borrowed some money around uh, 2000 us dollars uh to um to, uh, to join the ship so to make all the documents like sailors uh sailors book and then other the tickets um other things and uh, i realized that my family just couldn't make um this money and it's uh, this is my responsibility to stay here and uh, to make this money and so the hardest was the first and the second months and of course the first days like first cruise second cruise um uh, while mm, well uh, if i had money at that time i would resign maybe on the <laughs> fourth or fifth day and go home mm -hmm. but uh, i couldn't i didn't have this um, opportunity at that moment so i had to stay i knew that no one uh, could do it except for me and that's why i stayed mm -hmm. that so, was the only reason why i stayed at that moment mm -hmm. so um maintaining that connection with your parents was really very uh, crucial for you while you were on the ship and uh, in the book you describe how not only you but other uh, but other workers on the ship were eager to uh, uh, get some uh, spot where the internet connection was stable uh, did you did you did you share at some point this experience with your parents while you were on the ship or you uh, kept it to yourself and maybe you just shared this afterwards um luckily i have an elder sister who was mm. my uh emergency contact or uh, a line of uh, psychological support and i frequently called her and uh, i had a chance to uh, share with her because uh with uh, uh, my mom at that time was, um, um, I joined the ship in May, so in summer, when, when it was the hardest part for me, my mom was working on, um, um, uh, on somewhere in the hotel or in a, in a restaurant, uh, and in the Black, Black Seashore, because we live on the Black Seashore, so my mom was also working hard that, in that, that summer, and I could uh, never reach her, uh, if there was no connection it's not possible to call the ship. I could mm -hmm. all only call, um, call and just um, um, hope that someone would pick up uh, the phone and that uh, I can uh, talk with someone. And uh, as as I remember, internet at that time costed uh, 14 cents per minute, mm -hmm. and it was very slow connection. So it took like uh, five minutes to connect to Facebook, and then another three minutes to log out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so. Mm -hmm. Uh, it took it took a while, and sometimes there was no internet at all. And sometimes um, we need to uh, buy like special cards, um, uh, coupons for mm -hmm. 10, 10 euro coupons mm -hmm. um, to call uh, home. 
and it was like one ten uh, dollars for thirty or fifty minutes, and sometimes on payday they were all sold out, sold out. Mm-hmm. and uh, I remember there was um, my niece was three years old and I wanted to call my sister and it was a salary day and all this um, vouchers were sold out and I couldn't and I felt so miserable because there is nothing I can do and uh, it was just impossible to uh, uh, to talk with my family and it was very hard Mm-hmm. Um, was your experience in any way similar to the experiences of your parents? As you mentioned, they also uh, worked on the uh, ship, but it was a different country and it was a different mm-hmm. social environment as well. Mm-hmm. Um, to be honest, I can't imagine how my mom um, could uh, go through it because uh, she worked on the ship for seven years, starting mm-hmm. from 17 years mm-hmm. old. She's from the village. Mm-hmm. And uh, she worked, uh, including, uh, and it's 17 years old, she was already working on a Soviet military ship. Mm-hmm. And it was um, a very hard uh, job. She had to work many hours, like maybe 12, 14 hours every day. And um, she was everywhere, like Angola, then um, India, Vietnam. Cuba, like in many, many other spots, it was very dangerous and her mom was against it. But um, she continued and I asked my mom, why don't you resign? Mm-hmm. Why don't you um, just find some other job? And she said, this is what I, um, I, she went to the college. She said, this was my job. I had to do it. And she worked uh, on the ship for seven years until she met my father and they got married and they resigned together and then Mm -hmm. they, um, yeah, Mm -hmm. made made a family. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So in spite of all these emotional hardships, I would say, psychological hardships, as you mentioned, you appreciated the fact that you could see the world and you visited a lot of countries and you saw a lot of beautiful places. So could you talk a little bit about um, these beautiful places, right, that uh, you uh, uh, you experienced, that you were able to appreciate? And uh, I remember you also mentioned that in your book, that if it wasn't for this job, you, would, you wouldn't have been able uh, to see that many countries. Uh, yes, uh, I uh, visited uh, more than 20 countries in Europe, almost all European countries with, where there are some seaports. So Mediterranean, Baltic, um, uh, Canary Islands, um, Norway, uh, Iceland, UK. Uh, so um, I have seen so many countries and many guests um, envied us because uh, I remember a guest who were like, at 65 who told me I had to wait all my life mm-hmm, to see mm-hmm. what you have seen for free mm-hmm. and many guests uh, they um, thought that we are here just uh, for free doing nothing and mm-hmm. just enjoying life because they don't see the other side yes. of the um, of ship life for cruise and um, for me also the hard part was for me, sometimes it. Uh, I thought that for me it would be easier to work somewhere in the pantry, where I wouldn't have to uh, speak with the guest and smile because um, what I saw, 
I couldn't switch um, between these realities, one realities where guests are enjoying and they demand luxury, um, uh, some standards and this and that. Uh, and on the other side, people who work uh, as slaves, basically. Mm -hmm. uh, so for me, this was it was very hard to switch from one reality, from crew reality to guest reality. Mm -hmm. And it was a hard part for me. Mm -hmm. So, and um, those occasions when you could uh, go and visit uh, some uh, cities and or towns were some sort of uh, relaxation or some therapy for you. And um, well, what was it that you enjoyed in those places? Because it's well, it, what struck me was this phrase uh, that uh, you had to live in different realities: guest reality or bartender reality. And then uh, you go visit some city, and I I would assume that it would be an absolutely different experience and reality. But what what was it that somehow? Uh, maintained right your decision to stay and gave and what was it that gave you some strength um, I would say emotional and psychological uh, strength to continue working so first of all regarding uh, uh, going outside mm -hmm. uh, after some after a while I realized that for me uh, I don't care at all uh, which port is that? Which country is that? I just want to walk uh, on the ground mm -hmm. and maybe find some um, Wi-Fi and then uh, buy some whatever souvenirs and just uh, go for a walk with my friends. And what really helped me that many people were very kind to me. Mm -hmm. um, uh, some bartender, uh, bartender supervisors, even some uh, other um, bar servers. And... Um, it really, really helped me, and um, it helped me to survive there mm -hmm. uh, without um, finding some uh, bartender friends. It would be impossible to continue mm -hmm. in work there. Mm -hmm. So, but um, also, it was always um, related as as a girl, as a woman. I was um, I felt myself uh, a subject of uh, sexual pressure. And um, in many cases, uh, when when I come as a bar server into the bar, I'm always dependent on a bartender. So, and if a bartender um, is interested in you, mm -hmm. and then you are not interested in the bartender, then it would make your life uh, hard to work in this bar. And uh, um, and you always need to uh, like uh, negotiate and try to um, to find a way uh, to work avoiding any relations with a bartender or yeah so that was the also uh yeah sexual pressure is um also one of the um hardest part of the ship life not only for girls only for men um there are many uh many 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 gays mm -hmm. on the ship and um some men who are or um, they are also subject of sexual pressure. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, this is uh, something that is very upsetting, very mm -hmm. hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, uh, in your book, you uh, mentioned that, of course, you met a lot of uh, people, a lot of colleagues from a huge amount of countries. Uh, so could you talk a little bit about the cultural diversity that you observed and how does it shape the work environment? 
so on our ship uh, were um, over representatives of over 70 countries. Um, mainly they were uh, countries of what is called the third world. So mainly the Philippines, Indonesia, um, Mauritius, Balkan countries, uh, Ukraine, Russia, and um, yeah, so uh, Jamaica, and uh, um, yeah, some other, yeah, many, many, many different countries. And uh, these countries, um, m mainly they are making uh, some groups, which is called uh, mafia, based on the, on the country of origin, or based on the language they speak. For example, Balkan Mafia or uh, Filipino Mafia, and then they are uh, united together, and they are trying to over uh, to. Uh, they don't. They stay together, and making um, some. Yeah, how to say? <laughs> well, they are friends with each other, and then they. Um, they support each other and they don't uh, uh, don't speak much with other um, with other groups of uh, crews. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So um, you also mentioned an average age for a cruise um, clientele it's seventeen. It was <laughs> um, mentioned uh, in one of the chapters. How about the ship crew? Uh, why do they choose to be on the ship? And in your case, uh, some clients were wondering what you were doing on the ship, given the fact that you had you know, excellent education. Uh, regarding the um, guests, not always they were the average age was 70. It depended on the cruise. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes, mm -hmm. like uh, I remember... Um, crews in Iceland, yes, there were all elderly people, like mm -hmm. 70, 80, mm -hmm. and um, as a bar service, we, we couldn't sell alcohol to them, we had to adjust and sell like cappuccino for them in mm -hmm. the morning to make some money, and, um, but other cruises, uh, like mm -hmm. um, in the Caribbean, for example, where uh, mainly they are uh, American guests, they're young people who come here to, uh, to drink because they can drink unlimited amount of alcohol and they are very happy about that. Uh, so it uh, depends on the cruise. And regarding the cruise, I would say that the average age is 30 to 50, mm -hmm. sometimes 30 to 50. Um, some people uh, work on the ship over, over the 20 years and 70% uh, of new people um, never come, coming back to the ship. So 70% mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. of uh, new crew members don't finish the first contract mm -hmm. because they cannot adjust to the ship life. And uh, there is a rule, if you come back for the second contract, you will keep coming back for the third mm -hmm. and fourth and fifth, and then it becomes your life and you cannot adjust to the life, um, ordinary life mm -hmm. uh, on earth, so mm -hmm. to say. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you keep, uh, you want to keep going to to join the ship, to work on the ship, and uh, that's uh, that's how you live. And then these people, when they are on vacation, they can't find, they don't know what to do. They just want to come back to this atmosphere and to this rhythm and environment. Mm -hmm. 
but um why do they why do they come back would you come back by the way uh no i decided for myself that i'm not coming back mm -hmm. and i decided it uh so on when you are finishing the contract then you can make a deposit for your ticket for to come back for the next contract mm -hmm. And I was pretty sure that I don't want to come back, but I wanted to finish the contract. Mm -hmm. And uh, I did finish the contract. I even extended my contract for one month. So my contract was six months. I made it seven months to see the Caribbean. Uh, so um, and it was the last month was very quite relaxing for me because I already um, uh, got used to my my job and it was a nice weather and a nice climate um, every day in new island it was nice i could go outside to swim a little bit but i i saw and i realized that it's not gonna be the same on my second contract mm -hmm. because people who are coming back for the second country uh, contract they um get more uh, harder a schedule mm -hmm. to close bars for example mm -hmm. and it's very hard it's very hard um the special cleaning you need to follow if you if the ship is going to american port it has to comply with um, to meet all the requirements of um, special uh, health um, uh, association and so on so and the special cleaning it can take like three five hours to close the bar and if it's Caribbean and um, or um, it can be like in every American port, you, you have to do that. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's very hard physically and uh, then and because of the sexual pressure and limited space, it's also very hard mentally. So I decided that a ship is not for me, mm -hmm. but it was a nice opportunity for me to improve my English and mm -hmm. then to use it. For uh, to work with English-speaking uh, clients in Ukraine. Mm -hmm. So, from your own experience, your colleagues who uh, go back right on the ship, um, do they really like being on the ship, and do they really like this lifestyle and this work style, or they go back simply because it gives them some relative financial security? Um, no one like. No mm -hmm. one like it. Mm -hmm. uh, people get, are getting used to money in the pocket, as they say. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, it's very hard when you get a salary of, uh, let's say, 2,000 uh, US dollars per month. And then you go back to your country and you cannot make like 700 mm -hmm. because uh, you already got used to a big salary. And you know that you already can do this, uh, you, you know, your duties, and you just keep doing it. Mm -hmm. And it's more like a habit. And for uh, and ship life, it's it's very hard uh, to stay, to, um, to, to, to live this life. So mo mo mainly people find some partners from other countries. Mm -hmm. And then they are, for example, a girl from, let's say, Mauritius, and then a, girl, a boy from Serbia and for them the only way to be together is to come back to the ship and then they mm -hmm. come back to the ship they are on the second contract then they break up but they already got used to the ship so they finish the second contract come back to third contract and this is how um, this it's their life already. Mm -hmm.
So, uh, as you mentioned, you made friends on the ship, but you also met people with whom it was quite difficult to work. Um, what did you learn in terms of how to navigate the working environment during the seven months on the ship? Mm -hmm. uh, so, uh, the conditions of work specifically for my position uh, was that uh, bar servers competed with each other um, extremely. <laughs> so, we were paid only for the drinks, uh, so we got a percentage from every uh, drink sold, uh, plus a tips. So uh, it means that if you don't make orders, you are not paid. Mm -hmm. uh, that's why everyone was um, um, an enemy. <laughs> uh, the colleagues were enemies for each other, mm -hmm. and um, um, bar service even um, used some, uh, how to say, for example, um, if I'm in the bar, and I'm trying to make some orders, and then another bar server come and say, I'm still here. And uh, psychologically, it makes you think that, oh, it, for me, it's time to go on a break, or this and that. And then and they just take an order, and uh, that's it. Or they can start telling you that, oh, I have so many um, uh, children at home, they are so hungry, I have to make money, uh, blah, blah, blah. And then after that, they make you feel sorry for them, and they just take an order. Or they can tell you that uh, you don't uh, know the standards, you cannot serve the guests properly, so that's why they will do your job. Uh, so uh, there are many, many things like that. And uh, uh, so, yeah, maybe other positions uh, would be psychologically easy, but mm -hmm. this position uh, is extremely hard psychologically. Mm -hmm. So you wrote this book uh, and uh, it was some sort of therapeutic experience for you. Uh, is, there, um, is there a new project that you're working on? Would you like to continue writing some fiction or do you have any other plans in terms of writing? Um, I have uh, uh, a lot of uh, subject to write about mm -hmm. uh, because... I worked uh, in Indonesia for six months uh, as an English teacher, and then I worked in China as an um, instructor for children, uh, small children, preschool education. And also I traveled a lot, so at the moment I have visited almost 50 countries. Mm -hmm. But for me the most important is how would I feel once the book is published, because everything is very personal experience. And um, before writing, I really, because when I published this book and I, I had seven or yeah, seven presentations in different uh, towns of Ukraine, mm -hmm. and I felt that when people ask me questions, personal questions, I don't, I don't like it. And uh, for me, it's, um, it's, um, it's hard and um, I'm introvert and I don't like to be in the center of attention. Mm -hmm. That's why for me, the most important is uh, how would I feel not to, not to become famous mm -hmm. for writing the book. I see. So, but uh, this, book, this book was first published in Ukrainian and then it was translated into English. Is that right? Yes, mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. Yes, so the book uh, was uh, published in Ukraine 
and uh, five five years ago and now i um have the copyright for the book myself mm -hmm. so i translated it to the book uh, to english mm -hmm. and it was uh, edited by um native speaker by british editor mm -hmm. so now it's available on all amazon marketplaces so everyone can order and, mm -hmm. and read it yeah. about ship life would you talk a little bit about your current uh, career? Uh, you work at Career Karma, an American community of peers, mentors, and coaches uh, who help career changes land a dream career. Would you talk? It, it sounds very interesting. Would you just talk uh, a little bit about it? Uh, yes, yeah, sure. I work as a content writer. Mm -hmm. What we do, um, the company... Um, consult uh, career changers who want to uh, ch switch careers and um, I write different articles about how to change career for example at 30 40 45 years old what are the options can what kind of job can we find without degree for example and uh, then we write about different boot camps coding boot camps so we compare coding boot camps we um, um, take interview with alumni of uh, different cotton boot camps and then write how people write the success story of people who changed their lives, uh, who made, uh, who started new careers. And um, yeah, with uh, uh, yeah, careers in tech. So would you say that your ship experience somehow um, prepared you for this, uh, for this uh, profession, for this career? Um, I would say that for me at that moment, it was um, the opportunity uh, to um, the opportunity to spend uh, six, seven months in the English speaking environment. And um, it uh, really helped me to develop my career. And uh, without that experience, most probably I couldn't, um, uh, I couldn't, uh, yeah, become a writer that I'm right now. Well, thank you so much, Olha. Thank you so much for your book. And it was a real pleasure talking to you and learning more about your uh, experiences. Thank you. Thank you, Natalia. Thank you. Today, I spoke with Olha Melnik about her uh, book, Ship Life, Seven Months of Voluntary Slavery, published in 2022. Thank you for listening to New Books in Literary Studies, a podcast channel on the New Books Network.